0: Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM.
1: What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey everybody, we're all gonna get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I N D Y. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, oh, the oh, the double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey,
0: welcome into a Tuesday edition of the show. I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this. I loved being in Bloomington yesterday. I did. It was like a mixture of people that can't get up to the ones we do in and around Marion County on a weekly basis and those that I actually went to high school with and I grew up with. It was awesome. I want to thank the Buffalo Wild Wings down in Bloomington for the hospitality. Bud Light, of course, for bringing us to you as far as the Bud Light Blue Monday is concerned. Awesome day. It really was. And it's always good. Always on a bright, sunshiny fall day. It is never a bad day in Bloomington. Well, unless the football team just played, it may have been a bad day. But still, the weather and uh, the place is always uh, top notch for me. Growing up around there, that's just something you had grown accustomed to. And it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. But I want to thank everybody, if you hear me right now, and you showed up yesterday for being a part of that, hanging out with my mom, which was pretty awesome. Um, uh, shout out to Ari. This is for those members of the lounge via YouTube Live. I, I didn't want to say anything because my mom was right there. But my mom was saying, hey, I I struggle with hearing him, right? Because you know the reason why if I bring it up, somebody will come down here and tell me to shut up. But she said, I can't hear him anymore, and I I, I struggle sometimes getting it on the stream, or I struggle sometimes, the, the app thing, I don't do, I don't have a smartphone. You know, that's my mom, who's going to be 77 years old, coming up, I believe, next week. Anyway, Ari presented the idea ari inside the lounge via youtube live a huge listener to the show presented the idea that my mom joined the lounge on a daily basis so i i kind of thought about just beating the absolute hell out of ari yesterday (laughs) that i go ari oh yeah it's really easy yeah go ahead and do it i said well yeah, if you're watching me right now via YouTube Live, this is exactly. guy I went, yeah, well, about that, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think about my, my mom in there with Lickety and Fundamental Bear who showed up yesterday, too, and Stansberry and Smith. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get uh, uh, the turd effect of Reed Porter dropping in there, too. I just, I don't know. I don't know if that, so I, I basically made up a story. I said, you know, I don't know. I don't think you can get, I don't think you can get YouTube live in Owensburg. I not think you can. But, <laughs> man, you talk about worlds colliding there, Costanza. Come on, man. I mean, my worlds are colliding. Nah, but seriously, it was a good time yesterday. It was great to see everybody down there, and uh, you guys uh, held up. Uh, nicely inside the lounge via YouTube Live. And we have a big show for you today. The Colts post game show host is Greg Rakestraw. Greg is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Remind me to ask Greg about something that the Indy 11 is putting on as well because Griff told me that when I got here a little bit earlier today. Greg will join us coming up at the bottom of the 3 o'clock hour. Ben Brown is back. I don't know defensively okay. I don't know how much better the offensive numbers are going to look We're going to nerd out with the Texas Instruments Calculator and from PFF Ben Brown with his second appearance on the season is coming up in the four o'clock hour. Last week, the analytics did not speak very well regarding the Colts offense, the quarterback and the offensive line, especially that said. We'll see if any of that changes or if it was just basically getting a win. That's really the matter. And again, I don't think we could talk enough about the defensive effort that you saw on Sunday. You say what you want about the way that they looked in a couple of drives in the second half. But, you know, the whole bend but don't break thing. I know everybody hates. But at the same time, they hung in there. And you could say, well, they were kind of gifted something for that flag. Okay. You see that all the time. Seems like a lot of times the Colts can be on the butt end of that. So, if you're a Colts fan, I'm assuming it felt nice to get and not just get but take advantage of that incredible good fortune that that team got on Sunday. Whether you're talking about special teams on either side of the football You know, Mahomes, either because of the defensive effort or Mahomes and the offensive coordinator not getting along and Mahomes not being vintage Mahomes, good, right? Good for you, Colts fans. Yeah, If you're not going to be vintage Mahomes, then don't be vintage Mahomes when you come calling in the Colts' home opener, right? I mean, nobody's apologizing to anybody. Listen, that stinks, right? I'm sure Chris Jones, we talked about this yesterday. Would you throw a flag? I can't believe. You know, people just kind of want to twist this into, you know, the whole political angle. This is just how soft we are or whatever that BS is. You know what? It happens in a lot of games. And, again, when you're on the butt end of it, it sucks. But we're on the fortunate end from a Colts fan standpoint. That's got to make you feel good. Because the offense still struggled. Because the offensive line still struggled. And we'll get to those numbers with Ben Brown coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. That portion of it had to make you feel good. And you know what? You probably think as a Colts fan, maybe you deserve it. You've been on this hamster wheel of quarterbacks since the one stepped away two seconds before the start of the season. You've been on this hamster wheel of quarterbacks. This is the next big thing. You've been told the greatness of this team, and this is finally it. This is what they're going to do. They come out of the gate, zero, one, and one. Nah, seriously, that was as much needed a win as we've seen around here in a while. Certainly going all the way back to the last time they won, and that was against Arizona on Christmas night. That was certainly as well a much needed win that they got but that was a big deal on Sunday and you know what if it's a bad break for Kansas City it's a bad break for Kansas City and normally all this stuff ends up coming around at boomerangs come back to you and then you'll be upset about something at some point but you take advantage of it really bad teams you ever notice this really bad teams in a similar situation oftentimes don't take advantage That happens, but still, the favorite team gets over, wins out. In that case, when you really needed it, the Colts got it. Good fortune and all. And what was on Sunday. And if you missed any of the discussion yesterday about that, we can certainly dive into it. I mentioned Ben Brown's going to join us A PFF. That is in the 4 o'clock. Y'all to talk about that. The numbers and all that related to that Sunday win. And then how they compare to the first two games of the season. Oh, and then by the way, you get Tennessee coming in town coming up on Sunday. And there is no doubt. When you look at this, that is a much bigger game. And you're going to go, wait a minute, they're not as good. Look at the stumbling, other than the Raider game and not looking great. How's this a bigger game than Kansas City? Kansas City's a much better team. It's a bigger game because it's within the division. It's a bigger game because you have a tie, which I believe, right? We'll have to check out Ben Brown of the tie analytics, but it's like half a win and half a loss, whatever the hell that means. So you got to make up for that. You already have a loss within the division. What do we call right? You already missed an opportunity to gain two wins. You don't have a win within the division. And I know that we're in week number four, but at some point further down the road, you're going to start talking about the possibility of tiebreakers. You have to win it. I'm telling you, I know I'm a must-win guy, but there is no way around it. No way around it. Who knows how Tennessee is going to look, too? I mean, now without Taylor Lewan on the right side of the offensive line. Harold Landry is the guy they're going to be missing. Obviously dealt that offense a huge blow even before the start of the season by trading away A.J. Brown. Seems like oftentimes they are able to muscle out of it, though. Whether they, they, you, in this case believe in Mike Vrabel, you know, being that type of coach. Seems like situations, you still have Derrick Henry, and you still have a team that has noted a great deal of success, even with the early exit of the postseason a year ago. They were still the one seed. And then you saw what they did the year prior. So this team has been, this team has been surrounded by higher levels of success, that is a point to where this Colts team is trying to get back. I don't know if anybody saw this or not, and uh, a yeah, shout-out to Bobby Jefferson and Chad and everybody uh, on, on Twitter. So you get this, and I mentioned this to Jake Query when he was on the show yesterday, and this just comes with the territory. So I get this dude, and actually a couple of dudes have you know wanted to say, hey, we told you so. We told you talking all that negativity for two weeks, and we told you the Colts were going to turn it around. We told you what the Colts were going to do. It's like uh, what's-his-nuts from Turkey Run Jim yesterday. Like Jim could not wait, apparently, to get to our rant line and tell me to put that game I up where? Jim, where am I going to put this game? How am I going to get that game up there, Jim. What do I need to do, Jim? What are you asking me to do, Jim and Turkey Run? Put it where? But that's what you get. And that also comes along with a great deal of disappointment. Because even the the super fans, the glass is always half full, the sunshiny folks that absolutely don't want you ripping on their team. There are certain moments, too certain moments they have of disappointment and that's that is just to get back at hearing so much about their team and how it stinks and how it's not what it's supposed to be and the coach needs to go the offensive line coach needs to go and then you get that one moment to go ahead and kind of shove it back into those that you listen to I don't care I'm just glad that you listen. So there's a little bit of back and forth regarding that it's it's kind of you get it one end right? You get it at one end from the super fans, which is cool. I understand that. I mean, you're the ones that are going to the games, and you're paying to go to the games. You're paying for the gear. You do all that. But you get the big-time fans. that get mad because you're bagging on their team, even when they deserve to be bagged on. Now, I can honestly tell you this, and you've been around me enough to know, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. There's no axe to grind for me. And as I've explained in the past, it is much better for us in this situation when they're good. People say, oh, man, you're getting so much rating from being a horse's ass. No, seriously. With all, Think about this for me, too. Because in the first two weeks, you get three hours of morning negativity. You get three hours of midday negativity. You may be worn out regarding the negativity by 3 o'clock. But you know what you never wear out on? You never wear out on the positive. And especially nowadays, because it so rarely comes around. It's like the good fortune I'm talking about with the Colts on Sunday. You know, everybody wants to cut, you know, I guess you're manning up. You're tough. You're not soft. You're saying, I wouldn't have thrown that flag. That's wrong. The hell with that. Who cares? They did. And it was good fortune. Take some good fortune. Take some good fortune and take some positivity because it is fleeting Oftentimes in sections of this world today, really wherever you go. And it can drive you nuts. So you're much better, you much more embrace those moments where your favorite team is having a positive. Where your favorite team is more representative of what you expected, what others expected out of it. This season and beating a team that Certainly going in was the favorite on Sunday. So now you normally thrive in that environment much more than you do with the, I'm going to call up and I'm going to think about Jim and Turkey run, ripping me for the win, ripping me for the win. And he had every right. I mean, it has been nothing. It has been nothing but negative. Now, on the other hand, with that, you have to tell it like it is. Because on the other side of it, you get the people saying, oh, you know what? All you do is you just play up to the Colts. Oh, yeah, that's you. You host the Colts pregame huddle on Sunday. Clearly, they have you under your thumb. You know what? If there's one thing about the Colts that I have always loved. The way that they deal with me, they completely under They've never said one word about my level of negativity. It's not a jackass about it. I'll tell you how it is. I mean, it's not like it's something you can't see. It's not at all like something you can't see. Never said one word, not one word whatsoever about it. I wouldn't expect them to. That's what professionals do. They expect me to be professional and non-jackass division in what I do every day. And then for the Colts pregame show, and I would expect them to view me that way. I've been around long enough and doing this long enough to where I know how to maintain a level of professionalism. But I also, again, respect the show. And if they play bad, we got to talk about them playing bad. It's the way that it is. So it's somewhere in between, right? You get to one end saying, oh, you're going to, what is the term, carrying water? What the hell does even that mean? carrying water for the team clearly you're carrying water for the team and some of my friends can tell you if you actually want to get a response from me like uh, there's this guy there's this guy that apparently is a a religious zealot I would guess that was on me yesterday about and I I think he just came out of the gate and basically said I was stupid or something like that so I don't know he may be the most religious guy and proud of his faith Whatever. But the only thing that I understood out of this guy was he was a complete jackass. And that's okay. My belief is this, and I think Kyle understands fully what my belief is. Right? I don't want to ever talk religion. I don't dig on whatever. You guys can do whatever you want. Um, I come from the the Dalton quote. I live by one Dalton quote. And especially in terms of how it equates to social media. How it equates to doing this on a daily basis, doing this for the better part of, what, 18-plus years on a daily basis. Dalton had the quote of a lifetime for me. You know what that is? I am nice until it's time not to be nice. So, I don't get all bent out of shape, but I will occasionally fire back. When somebody, and normally I don't, I don't start it, but I do end it. I do put my foot down and we did yesterday. I should say we, I did yesterday. That just happens. So I'll be nice until it's time not to be nice. And one way, one way you can dig is give me that whole bull crap, right? about how everybody is in the hip pocket of everybody around here. I don't talk to anybody around here. I just talk to those that give me info, and that's about it. But nobody says what I should say. Nobody cares about how many wide receivers I believe they t- they should have. Nobody cares about my opinion on the offensive line. They just go about their business. But, man, if you lump me into that bunch of BS, then it's time not to be nice. It's the way that it goes. That's really the only thing. I mean, you can get personal all you want, fat, pasty, whatever. I've heard it all. But when you go there, you're probably going to get a response. Probably. Maybe I'll miss it. Hopefully, I'll miss it because at 52, I probably shouldn't react that way, but I probably will. I've said this before. I have held grudges in my life, and it's been hard not to, like really hard not to. And this would be something that's also difficult for me, Not to respond to. Others go, oh, you just got to let it go. Let a troll be a troll. But no, no, hold on. I'm going to give them the last what for right here. Because I'm nice until it's time not to be nice. It's the way that it goes. (laughs) Yesterday was a bit of that. I guess it lasted into the overnight as well. It's always funny to see all this stuff come in at about 3 in the morning. I do get up at 5.30, but I am not up most of the time at 3 in the morning. Good fortune, reactions, and a lot more on this Tuesday ahead. I mentioned bottom of the hour, Greg Rakestraw is going to join us. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about whether or not this offensive line is something that is just a function that can be fixed, or is it just kind of the nature of this group right now? I know Frank Reich said yesterday that this is something that can be fixed. This is something he expects to be fixed. Well, I would hope so, because if it cannot be fixed, then you have spent a lot of money in a completely wrong direction. I mean, it's not like you're talking about the kicker thing. You can go out and change that up. You did. Chase McLaughlin did a great job on Sunday. Go out and change the kicker. Yeah, as good as Rigoberto Sanchez was for the punter, category on this team, you can go out and find somebody else to help you out with Matt Hawk and they have, but it's not likely you're going to change this thing up. And again, I'm not advocating anybody gets benched right now and I can't see them benching anybody right now. I'm talking about the foundation of this team. That is how it is built. That is where they allocate a great deal of money for this thing to be at the top level. And when it has been as low as we have seen in the first three weeks, that is a legitimate red flag. So I certainly would hope that Frank Reich can press all these buttons to get this thing back in gear. As I said yesterday, if this offensive line continues at this level and doesn't I mean, raise the game substantially, this team has no chance. No chance. None whatsoever. Because you start right there. And then the reason why you go out and you believe in a 37-year-old quarterback, I mean, really, that reason's gone. Being able to run the football, which you want to be your staple, we've seen how that has been the past couple of weeks. And then you're going to rely on many options that you're just going to be unable to rely upon. And there you are. So that's a have-to. You're talking about must-win Tennessee winning on Sunday. That The have-to is getting that offensive line. Getting that offensive line where you expect it to be. I think the problem is there is a tremendously wide gap between where they are and to where we expect them to be. You know, even with, for example, that final drive. I mean, you'll give credit where credit is due in a couple of different circumstances, but honestly, when they talked about it yesterday, Frank Reich talked about this, way, way too many free rushers at the 37-year-old quarterback. That is something you absolutely have to get fixed. Or not only might you see Nick Foles at some point, you may see Ellinger at some point if he's ever active. 37-year-old guy, I'm sure, has not expected to run for his life. Now, it's not like he's been great either. We'll see if that combination of the offensive line not only can raise their game, raise the offense, and maybe we see a bit of a different quarterback. But the one that you saw most of that game, if you're in the press box or high up like we were on Sunday, is one much like the offensive line outside of that final drive, which was the game winner, and that's great, but he has a lot of work to do. Now we'll see if he and that offensive line can get there together. We'll talk about that with Greg at the bottom of the hour. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, 4 o'clock hour. Joel Erickson of the Star. I think Joel had a story, was it Sunday night, Monday morning, regarding the special teams gaffes of the Chiefs and how difficult that sky is with the roof open. Not just for Sky Moore, for example, but for Naheem Hines as well. Yeah, we'll hook that with Joel coming up in the five o'clock hour, and a lot more right there. Every hour, as long as I can remember, I'm going to give away a pair of passes to the Colts VIP tailgate at BullseyeEventGroup.com. Brought to you by Hayes and Sons Restoration. 10 a.m. Sunday morning, all you can eat, all you can drink, and I'm going to give away some passes today. So be ready. I know a lot of you are going, "Hey, well, what about the lounge? Hey, what about those on Facebook? What about the stream and the app? We are on a little bit of a delay." We'll try to uh, navigate that to get everybody an absolute fair chance at it. I understand the issue. But I'm going to hopefully do that every hour and get you down to bullseye coming up on Sunday. So listen to when all you can eat, all you can drink, skids, helicon. And I had heard I had to bail by 10 a.m., but I had heard it was a fantastic time on Sunday. And not only are doing that, in Indy, where it all started with Kyle Kinnett, but Tampa, Denver, both L.A. teams, the Chargers and the Rams, the Browns, the Ravens, the Titans, this thing has caught fire, and we'll see if we can get you in there, coming up three times over the course of of this afternoon. Meantime, 239-1070 is the number if you guys want to jump in and talk about whatever I just talked about. We can dive into some college football as well because I completely skipped that yesterday. Here's the reason why. Because you really don't care about a lot other than what the Colts do. I know the Pacers are ready to start training camp. I saw 33 in his meeting with the media yesterday. I'm excited. I don't know what I'm more excited. I'm, I'm excited about 33 playing because I want to get Got to get those tweets back in. I'm excited about the 33 tweets that I'm going to get. Not in number, but the the number of tweets about 33 that I will get. I'm really excited about that. But he met with the media on media day yesterday. And the pace is a week away, I believe, from starting their preseason games. Here's the other thing I failed to mention. If I were them, and because he's going to be around, would you not go get Tyrese Halliburton? To go down and do, I'd do a lot of the same thing. I'd do Halliburton to bang. What does he get it on? Bang a gong down there. The anvil. anvil. The anvil. Yeah. yeah. So the anvil, I'd get Halliburton back, and I'd get Clayton Anderson back in and Touchdown Town again. Because I'm a I, I, listen. I'm a guy that respects the streak. I know it's one game, but for the Colts, this is a streak. I would respect the streak. I'd get Tyrese Halliburton back to bang a gong, get it on. (laughs) And I would get Clayton Anderson back in touchdown town. Those are just great ideas. I will loft my ideas out there for somebody to go ahead and use as their own. But I certainly would do that if I were them. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Your calls and more. The stream, the app, HD Radio, Inside the Lounge, via YouTube Live, Facebook Live as well. And Straw is going to join us next with 93.5 and 107.5
1: The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Thank you for your support. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: All right, I'm going to have to warn you on this, too. All the reentries today, so I got here early And I was sitting downstairs for about that part of three hours listening to nothing but hairband music. So normally, this is a true story. When I'm in studio for the reentry music, I play it. And whatever I'm listening to earlier in that day normally is what I'm thinking about playing. So you're probably going to get a lot of hairband activity as reentries today, as evidenced there by Warrant and Cherry Pie. I'm telling you, sometimes it just gets in here and I can't help myself. Uh, at JMV1070 on Twitter, Bart Diggler says, you think Chris Jones called someone a in honor of Crash Davis from Bull Durham? I would have to think it was must, much worse than that. But the flag was thrown. Back to you guys in a second. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Thank you very much. The post-game show host for the Colts is our friend Greg Rakestraw. Again, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Frank had mentioned yesterday he felt this offensive line and their struggles, they are fixable, uh, timing, uh, on the same page types of situations. Do you see that, or is there just a lot of broken downness going on with this group right now?
2: There's a lot of mistakes going around with the entire group. Um, What struck me early in the game was that it wasn't just individuals getting beat. It was things schematically. So whether that's blitz picked up by the quarterback, whether that's recognition by the uh, offensive linemen themselves, whether that is the other coach out scheming Colts coaches in terms of setting up blitzes where the Colts don't have time to get to those things, it's a little bit of everything. So I would agree some of those elements are correctable, and that gives you some cause for hope. But at the same time, and I thought um, you know, the, the comments that Frank made were in kind of the media Zoom call, which I was on yesterday. Uh, Zach Kiefer hit it very well uh, when he said, hey, he goes, it's all fair points you are bringing up, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it wasn't like you had offensive linemen that missed time in training camp. You know, you had guys that played in preseason games, This wasn't last year where Ryan Kelly missed significant time and Quentin Nelson wasn't ready for the start of the season. This group is largely what you had uh, in the course of August. Should those things be happening in September? I think that's the question that all of us can fairly have right now is, hey, yeah, we knew that maybe Matt Pryor might be overmatched at left tackle. Uh, I didn't think there were many concerns about Danny Pinner at right guard. His play at times has been less than stellar. Um, But but any sort of communication issues or problems, those should have been addressed in training camp, and perhaps they weren't, uh, as we're finding out three weeks in.
0: Well, you think about that, and then you think about the kicker. We all knew, or at least expected, that something would arise as far as that was concerned, and it took all of a game, and that was that. So there are some things that you look back on training camp that we talked about, we brought up, and for whatever reason, when – unrecognized i don't want to say ignored but certainly unrecognized or at the very least uh did not get dealt with before the start of the season that they're dealing with right now
2: i will say this on the kicking front i was out there and the parts that, w- that i saw rodrigo blankenship won the job um if, if you want to say hey rodrigo shouldn't have given been given the chance and he should have made a different move back in april okay that's a, that that's fair Um, But I will say in in terms of what he did in late July and August in preseason games and the times when, you know, the fans and the media had a chance to watch practices, Rodrigo Blankenship won the job. Now, that he did he lose the job in week one? Absolutely, he did. Does it appear as now the Colts have a better option than Chase McLaughlin? I would agree with that wholeheartedly. But at least in Blankenship's case. He had direct competition, and he went
0: out and he won the job. So, Greg Raikstra on the Andy Moore Automotive Group line. With all that in mind, do you think the Colts, after that Chris Jones penalty that restarted their vehicle, so to speak, did they find anything all that they can play off of in that final drive, whether it's a a better cohesion offensive line-wise, a lot of confidence from the quarterback between he and the pass catchers? Might that be something that they can play off of going into Sunday?
3: You know, you
2: always have the thought about going up-tempo, which you normally associate late game-winning drives with. The Colts did the opposite, and that's the thing that struck me. Again, the been-there, done-that aspect of Matt Ryan in that he milked that clock like a thing of beauty. He was tremendous in terms of huddling guys up and not being rattled and taking his time, knowing you wanted to give Patrick Mahomes as little of time as possible. Uh, to be able to, to, to get the football back and, and do anything with it. The, the thing that I think carries over, it's not from the last drive, other than the confidence knowing that Ryan can still go get that done in a game-winning scenario, is just the fact the way the young guys popped, period. You know, that, that, that Alec Pierce, after having a rough game in week one and then not able to play in week number two, delivered when called upon in week number three. And that clearly there seems to be a niche and a knack for Jelani Woods to make tough catches, even if, you know, we we complain or are concerned about lack of wide receiver slash tight end separation. When you're that size, you don't need separation. Just throw it to a point where he can be the only one to go get it. And that's exactly what he did um, on those two touchdown grabs on the flip side. The fact that Rodney Thomas was ready to go, because we didn't spend any time talking about him being a seventh round pick during the course of the preseason. So to me, the biggest thing that carried over, other than the most important part, as in you know getting a win and keeping your season, you know, on track and not completely off the rails, was the fact that the young guys delivered on Sunday, and 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 that to me is the thing that has the most carryover. It's
0: like Greg Rakestraw, the Colts post-game show host, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I thought the defense played, especially in terms of of doing. A lot of things against Patrick Mahomes that teams struggle with um, just what the proverbial doctor ordered, certainly on Sunday. We finally saw that defensive line do what we expect, and I thought the way that the receivers hung with their dudes, it, yep. it brought to my mind, Greg, a couple of things. One was that's that great effort that they gave in the secondary, but... It was the first time in two weeks that if you watched Kansas City, you noticed how much that they do miss Tyreek Hill.
2: You miss the guy that can take the top off the defense. You know, you miss that breakaway speed. And I understand kind of the reasoning behind it and that once the money goes to Mahomes and to other sources, you're going to have enough money to pay everybody. That's, that's just the way it works in the National Football League. But, yes, I thought the Kansas City Chiefs looked very average on Sunday afternoon. And the Colts certainly played a part in that. What we saw on Sunday is, frankly, what I expected this Colts defense to be. This is what I thought we would see during the course of the preseason. And why we didn't see that against Jackson the week before, why we only saw it in fits and starts and not for the entirety of the game against the Texans is is somewhat beyond me. But I'll be honest with you, not not twenty to seventeen, but I kind of think this is kind of going to be the, the Colts for most of the season. I I think it's going to be almost a race to 24 or 27. And if they get there, I think their defense is going to do enough to, to have them win football games. I don't think this is an explosive offense. It's just not. They've got a couple of explosive pieces in Jonathan Taylor and, and to a lesser degree in Michael Pittman. But this is going to be an offense that's about efficiency, taking advantage of opportunities, and and, and the most important thing they've got to stop doing is giving the football away. Um, you know, let, let it be known that, that both, you know, both touchdown drives for Kansas City were short field drives. Their only lengthy drive was the first drive of the third quarter that resulted in a field goal and not in seven points. I think if this offense produces 24 points a game, I think more weeks than not, they're going to win the football game. I think that that's the way when this defense is humming like it was on Sunday. I think that's the way the rest of this season shapes.
0: Yeah, out. well, that was the kind of the battle too of who's going to take advantage of those miscues, right. and then yep. I, the Colts ultimately, I guess, won that considering they they took full advantage of, of that final miscue that that ultimately cost Kansas City the game.
2: You give somebody enough chances to win a game, at some point they will finally take it from you. And that was the case for the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday afternoon.
0: Thoughts on the Titans? They get on the uh, the board with a win against the Raiders on Sunday. They haven't looked great. They lost somebody else, the uh, right tackle Taylor Lewan, done cool. for the season. Harold Landry, know about that. We know about A.J. Brown now being in Philadelphia and thriving there with Nick Sirianni and the Eagles. What do you make of this team the way that it looks right now? And uh, Mike Vrabel is the coach with the success they've had in recent history, certainly combined with the loss of bodies that normal circumstances are pretty huge in the equation of them winning. What do you think about that Titans team that heads up here on Sunday?
2: I think Mike Vrabel's a pretty good coach. I think it's a pretty average roster. Um, and, and again, I understand the move they made in terms of not wanting to, to help set the market in terms of, of AJ Brown and an upcoming contract. I understand some teams, I think, are just going to go that route and say, hey, we're not going to pay wide receivers big money. Um, but I think they're a less dynamic football team, just like the Kansas City Chiefs are. I think the Titans are clearly that way. I think their fans feel the same way Colts fans do right now. Hey, the win was great. Are you fully convinced your team's got it? Probably not, given the way that that game played out on, on Sunday afternoon. So my thought is, is that – you know, we, we all thought this was going to be Titans and Colts at the top of the AFC South. And you know what? It, it might well be. But there's little doubt the most impressive team of this division isn't amongst the two that are playing on Sunday, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so now this game is still equally as big. Yeah. But you're worried about losing around to Jacksonville, which is not exactly a phrase I think anybody thought we would say in 2022.
0: No doubt. A couple of thoughts, collegially speaking, on IU. That wasn't discussed yesterday. And then Purdue also didn't get much discussion. And uh, Aiden O'Connell and the chances he plays coming up this weekend.
2: No idea on, on what uh, Aiden's going to look like. I, I thought the Purdue offense was was solid. Clearly they missed him at times, I think, of the – that Burton absolutely stared down a defensive back uh, when he threw that pick late in the game. Here's the thing. The thing that we say about the AFC South is the gift that keeps on giving to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Just change that wording to the Big Ten West for Purdue Uh, because I think they clearly play the best team in the Big Ten West this week in Minnesota. And after that, you got a shot to win every game Um, just just if you play well. There's nobody that's that going to be overly intimidating uh, you know, coming from the other division. So, um, you know, it, it was a scare on Saturday, but given how Purdue found ways to hand the game away in two previous tries, at least they hung on and got the W. Um, if they were in the Big Ten East, they're in trouble. They're not. They can still be a bowl team, still be maybe even um, a, a seven to eight win football team because of whom they play the rest of the way. And as far as IU is concerned, it's It's disappointing. But again, after going two and ten last year, it's just a matter of hey, find six wins. And, and I didn't think that Cincinnati was going to be one of them at the start of the season anyway. Here's a phrase you never thought you'd say: yeah. Nebraska's a must-win for the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that that is now a a, a bingo free space. Yeah. Given how they have been playing, let's see if Indiana can take advantage of it. Yeah,
0: I'm afraid we're going down the same old same old path here. Unfortunately, But, yeah, no doubt you're right about that. The Indy 11 is doing something pretty nice, correct, it, coming up correct.
2: here? So, well, first of all, the weather's going to be great for the Indy 11 uh, on Saturday night. And the Indy 11 won again at home on Sunday uh, with a 1-0 victory against Loudon United. They're on the road tomorrow against Atlanta. Uh, but then they will be back at home against FC Tulsa on Saturday. And the Indy 11 before the game, as in well before the game, uh, are hosting a, a Walk to End Alzheimer's. Uh, that has always been a charity near and dear to the heart of Arsal Ozdemir, uh, the owner of the Indy 11. So it's going to be a busy day downtown. The Walk to End Alzheimer's will be uh, early in the day. The game will be at 7. Basically, if you're going to be involved in the Walk, you're going to get a great opportunity for tickets to the Indy 11 game on Saturday night. Indy11.com, 317-685-1100. Always has more.
0: It's going to be awesome. It will, and I'm assuming you had a much better post game show than usual on Sunday, right?
2: Uh, post game was a lot more tolerable uh, on Sunday than it was the Sunday before. So, nice. uh, yeah, I was uh, I was not searching for the bar
0: after the show was over. Let's put it that way. Greg Regstraw, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. He, Barry, and Bill coming at you again on Sunday afternoon following the Colts' week number four adventure with the Tennessee Titans at Lucas Oil Stadium. Greg, always a pleasure. Thank you.
2: You got it, buddy. Now, what's going to be – I'm going to be in the car like at 9.30 on Saturday night. What's the theme on Saturday night during the 9 o'clock? There's going to
0: be a lot of hairband action. I was just downstairs for the past three hours kind of listening and reacquainting myself with some stuff that wasn't exactly, uh, I guess, at the tip of my brain as far as hairband is concerned. It's not all hairband, but there's going to be a lot of hairband.
2: All right, so I need to get my Aquanet ready. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll well, it's again. okay. I
0: mean, you can go wherever you want, too. So you call in whatever you want, but I, there will be there will be some uh, decent hair bandage going on. I promise you that. I'll have, I'll have a request ready for you. <laughs> oh, sir. You got it, buddy. Thanks, man. See Greg you're on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Five minutes away. Somebody's going to get a chance to win uh, bullseyeeventgroup.com Colts VIP tailgate. Pre game passes right there. Presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. Uh, Actually, I take that back. A little over five minutes away, we'll give away a pair for somebody to win. Right here on 93.5
1: and 107.5, The Fan. The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: Science. Joe Erickson coming up at the 5 o'clock hour.
4: Is that uh, the guy who says science there? Is that yeah. the guy from uh, Back to the Future? I can't remember the actor's name. Uh,
0: no, Christopher Lloyd it yeah, is not. Sounds like him. It is a uh, noted scientist, and I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he's a noticed, or I should say a noted British scientist. And, how, and uh, Thomas Dolby used him in this song, and it became obviously so big in the 1980s, wherever that dude went, in England, people would go science on the street, and he got sick and tired of it. It was like anybody that had the number eight six seven five three zero nine in the eighties, and it got called all the time, right? So from that song, and he got sick and tired of it. It wore him out. It's like the guy that has
4: at JMV on Twitter, and he just blocks everybody that Did is you see trying a, to tweet at you.
0: My Twitter handle, sit. I saw that. They don't even know who I am. <laughs> you may see that last night. Jeremiah Wheatley and Avon brought this to my attention. that There was a cool, it's Dixie the Praying Dog, and my friend Brian showed up at the uh, the tailgate at Touchdown Town, Colts pregame huddle on Sunday, and they took a nice video of it and then uh, sent it out via Twitter to at JMV, which is not me. I'm at JMV 1070, so they ended up sending it to the museum curator that hates my guts in Vancouver, British Columbia. Who uh, three years ago was it? He tried to sell me my Twitter no, handle that was for last year. Last was it year. last year? Two thousand dollars. I was like Jim and Turkey Run. I said, "You can shove that right up your two thousand dollars." Let's start the bidding at two thousand dollars, and I said, "Let's end the bidding right here, numb nuts." <laughs> True, but seriously, the other—I I forget what the guy's name is. But the scientist got all this science wherever he went. And he got sick and tired of it. And the same people that had, and there were people back in the day, you don't know, Tommy Two Tone had the song 8675309. And those that had that number, I think they even tried to sue him because of that, because they would get called constantly, especially in the height of that song's popularity in the early 80s. True story. All right, uh, Joel a. Erickson coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Got more Bullseye event group, Colts VIP tailgate passes coming at you later on this hour as well. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, it was a sad sack of sorries this time last week regarding the performance in Jacksonville for the Colts. We'll see if the analytics and the numbers and the nerdery reach a much higher level after the victory over Kansas City on Sunday. Ben Brown of PFF joins us. So what stood out to you as far as the numbers are concerned about that Colts win Sunday?
3: I mean, I think the one thing that stands out to me is I was kind of the uh, differentiator or determining factor in their actual success this week. I think when you bring me on uh, the show, they seem to play – uh, a, a lot better i would say so i'm wondering you know where was the invite for the, the first two weeks of the season because i think colts fans might want to be holding you a little bit responsible for uh, uh the sluggish start i would say before week three <laughs> well,
0: they have been griping at me but it's both ends like i get it when when i have to rip on them i get it from the the fans that love them say you're too negative it's too early and then when you don't rip on them uh you get it from you're carrying water for the team so yeah we get it from both right. sides that's just what happens <laughs>
3: It, it never ends. But, no, I mean, like I, as we kind of said last week, I hope there are, you know, some some silver linings, even if uh, they don't, and even if they don't end up winning the game outright. Thankfully, uh, they won the game outright. And I do think there is some, you know, decent takeaways. Obviously, things, uh, you know, broke right from the start. I would say getting the, you know, buff punt fumble recovery to kind of, you know, uh, tilt the tide in their direction really early on. I think that obviously helps them from, you know, not only a game script perspective but how they're going to be. Uh, somewhat productive offensively. Uh, not a lot of really sustained drive, but I do think you know their two field goal type drive situations at least showed some production uh, early on. So I think they're you know uh, outside of the fact that there probably is some negative takeaways. Uh, definitely a lot of good I would say coming out of week three as well.
0: Uh, by the way, the English scientist Kyle's name is Magnus Pike. P. Y. K. E. In the song, she blinded me with science. Magnus. Pike. Thank you, Casey and Greenwood for that. Ben Brown joins us from PFF. Let's start with the good numbers, or at least what we think are going to be the good numbers. How much better in the analytics did, especially that Colts defensive line, with the entirety of the defense look against Patrick Mahomes compared to the way that they looked a week prior versus Trevor Lawrence?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think they, they looked really good. Uh, you know, your boy uh, Yannick Ngakwe, I would say flashed a little bit, got flashed. a back at four pressures. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they look good, right? I think this was uh, by far the lowest EPA per play that the Chiefs have been held to this season. I think there were like maybe five games last year where they averaged uh, a lower EPA per play. So uh, I think from, the you know, the Colts' defensive standpoint, they did everything they needed to do uh, against the Chiefs. I think maybe they were, you know, somewhat productive, had a couple big plays, but uh, there were some big swings where they ended up, you know, holding them to field goal type situations, getting the fourth down stop as well. So... I think overall, uh, that has to be you know one of the building blocks or foundations for you know this Colts team going forward is their defensive line played. I would say quite well. I thought Stephon Gilmore had had a couple of nice you know uh, coverage situations and also stops uh, to not allow like a third down conversion conversion on Travis Kelsey. So uh, I think overall, you know defensively, uh, they were opportunistic. Like, I think that was probably the reason why you know, they ended up being there at the end uh, and incapable of actually
0: winning the game on that last time. Uh, ben, I want to make sure everybody's on the same page here because we might have some folks out there and thinking you're talking about the Environmental Protection Agency. In fact, the EPA that you're talking about through the nerdery of football analytics here would be expected points added, correct? Yep, yep, that's okay. correct.
3: So basically, you know, every single play has a situation that happens, right? Obviously, okay. you know... Third and, third and 10 from like your your own 36-yard line has uh, an expectation for how that drive is going to finish out, right? What's the, what's the expected value of where you're at given the down and distance and situation uh, of that particular spot on the field? And then you can kind of calculate, you know, what each play adds up being from an expected point uh, perspective in order to kind of arrive at you know how well or how uh, not well you know a certain offense and a certain defense plays in that particular.
0: What, what's the expectation week after week under normal circumstances for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs with that in mind?
3: Yeah, I mean they are you know one of the best offenses in the NFL. I don't think anybody would question that uh, right now. I think they are uh, right around point two zero two expected points added per play. That would be uh, you know the second best uh that would be the second best um um, you know expected points offensively for a team so far this season the only team better than them has basically been the miami dolphins so uh this was the first time this year that they've been held to you know a negative expectation uh, for every single play, and I think that, you know, that speaks to, you know, not only, you know, how well uh, the Colts played defensively, but I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, some of the, the pressure-type situations and making Patrick Mahomes feel, you know, a little bit uncomfortable uh, in the pocket.
0: Ben, did Ngakwe look more than just rotational on Sunday, or was that his vintage rotational level of play that you talked about in the offseason? Uh,
3: I mean, I think it was. I think he was still kind of a rotational piece. <laughs> I, I should look up his actual stats here. Yeah. Um, he played. Yeah. I mean, he played 41 snaps. I think that's basically his lowest so far this year. 31 pass rush snaps, but uh, he actually was, you know, somewhat productive. I would say. So I think even though he might still continue to be uh, a little bit more of a rotational type piece, if you can get, you know, four pressures from him, where he's averaging, you know, a pressure every like 12 to 13 percent of his pass rush snaps. Uh, that's that's a pretty good part-time player. And I think that's what you kind of need to expect from him uh, going forward. And I think that would be a win if he can kind of continue to deliver uh, at that particular level. What
0: about the rest of that defensive line, too? Because you know, Buckner had been somewhat, if not a complete no-show so far. Other than Grover Stewart, there hadn't been a lot of conversation regarding the Colts defensively up front. How did that group as a whole look to you?
3: Yeah, I think they, I, I, you know, I think it was overall kind of, you know, a, a team effort, I would say, along the front seven for sure. So uh, none of them, like, I would say popped a ton out, Um, you know, from a PFF grading perspective, but I think they were, you know, kind of productive enough um, to actually get the job done. I think, you know, Pay had five pressures. He's right around, you know, a 17% to 18% pass rush win rate uh, or pressure rate situation. So he's a guy that is, you know, kind of, Kind of, you know, it's not showing up necessarily uh, in the sacks outside of the two he had in week one. But, uh, you know, he's hurrying up uh, the situation for the quarterback. And I think that definitely can impact, you know, coverage situations and everything else. So I think he's, you know, actually been uh, pretty decent. I think, you know, what he showed on Sunday, if they can kind of keep that going forward, uh, is definitely going to help that front four specifically.
0: What, um, from what you gather, and, and this is how I viewed this, and I, I put this theory out there, um, I think the end of the last week, that the defense up until week three against the Chiefs reminded me of what I would have felt the defense looked like without Shaquille Leonard a year ago because he was the playmaker. He was really the only thing that was keeping that thing afloat whatsoever a year ago. What um, What's this defense look like with him out there compared to the numbers through the first three weeks of the season without Leonard on the field for the Colts?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's, like, a really good comparison, right? I definitely agree with you. You know, Shaquille Leonard was kind of the, 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 the playmaker that actually came right. through with some of these high, you know, turnover-type swing plays, and I think everyone kind of around them, not necessarily like a glue guy-type situation, but it's definitely something where uh, they need to be, Uh, better than the sum of their parts or else they are going to kind of fall apart. And I think, you know, through the first two weeks of the season, uh, there was definitely some breakdowns in situations, some poor tackling type situations, especially on crucial downs, uh, where they definitely didn't have that. But I think, uh, you know, the 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 almost like bend but don't break mentality. They did definitely allow uh, a few big chunk plays to, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster, but uh, they were kind of able to at least keep them out of the end zone in a number of those situations and kind of make them or force them sell for field goals. And I think that's going to be, you know, the, the differentiator, if they can do that against some of these high-quality offenses and get Shaquille Leonard back into the fold and actually have them generate some of those, you know, those turnover play-type situations on top of them, you know, kind of holding their own in the red zone-type situations. I think that's when you see uh, a a kind of a return to form of where they were at at their peak last year.
0: Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus, the data scientist with us every Tuesday via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And you know what? They ended up winning. They got a drive out of this offense at the end of the game, but especially this offensive line knocked around once again, not even really approaching the level of expectations that most of us had for it so far this season. And certainly, on Sunday in week number three. How did it grade out, according to you? And even further, where does it rank right now as far as the offensive line is concerned through the first three weeks of the season?
3: Yeah, definitely. So, at least, you know, from a run-blocking perspective, they've been – right around like the seventh or eighth best team now granted there hasn't been a ton of really good run blocking units in the nfl so far so if you were looking at it from a pure grading perspective they would probably be a little bit lower than what we would consider like league average but given the fact that the league average run blocking rating has been really down this year uh, they actually look like a somewhat you know uh somewhat decent unit from you know a pass blocking perspective uh definitely not uh you know in the same category i think they're like 19th overall from a pass block uh, grading perspective. Part of that, you know, goes back to uh, Matt Ryan and who you actually kind of want to assign for some of the blame uh, in regards to like the sack and these other, you know, fumble, strip sack fumble type situations and everything else. So he did see, you know, once again play out because his, his pressure rate wasn't that bad. It was kind of back to the week one level where he's at, you know, 28%. Uh, of his dropbacks he has experienced some sort he in some sort of di- duress or under pressure type situations uh where league average is uh probably a little bit higher than that right around like 32 33 percent from a from you know a league-wide average so they were probably a little bit below average the problem is is that uh when, when guys are getting pressure on matt ryan it, it's causing way bigger disruptions than what you're seeing uh in almost any other offense in the nfl right like we have quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes who can alleviate pressure type situations. They don't necessarily need, you know, a top 10 or top five offensive line uh, in order to generate and be a productive offense. But uh, at this stage of Matt Ryan's career, he's not even close to that. And I would consider him, you know, one of the worst uh, pressure or handling pressure type quarterbacks that we have right now at the NFL level. And I think that, you know, because of that uh, the glaring issue that, Uh, you know, we think is, you know, the pass blocking and everything else uh, is only magnified because he's just not doing anything to help them whatsoever. So I think that is maybe the overall concern, but uh, you know, the offensive line definitely from a pass blocking perspective hasn't been great. uh, And and it hasn't been anywhere close to what Matt Ryan, it seems like actually needs right now uh, in order to actually, you know, be a productive offense. So I think that would be the concern, the concerning part, you know, heading out of week three, they definitely got the victory, uh, but, uh, there's still quite a few, you know, cracks in the foundation, so to speak, uh, and takeaways that could definitely be, you know, a long-term negative for this team overall.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Ben Brown of PFF is with us. And it's something that that Frank Reich said yesterday that he feels they can fix. They know what the problem is, and they can fix it. And they better. Uh, again, as I mentioned, that's one of the the foundational building blocks of this team. And if that doesn't work, then you just waste your time going out getting a 37-year-old mostly, not completely, but yep. mostly um, immobile type of quarterback. And, you know, then the running game dissipates. We've seen that, right, yep. the past couple of weeks, yep. the yep. effect of the offensive line and what that's had on number 28 in the backfield.
3: Yeah, and it, it's been bad, right? I think if you look back at week three, like the, the, the best drives that they had starting out were situations where they were, you know, passing the ball on first down, which is not really the look that you want with this offense. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's no there's no real threat of play action because, you know, the, the play breaks down so quickly with play action if the offensive line isn't kind of able to hold some of their blocks. And, and if they can't hold their blocks, uh, it, it's disastrous, right? Because, you know, Matt Ryan under pressure has just been so bad. Uh, so far this season so I think overall it's impacted every you know fast the play offensively but uh, there there just hasn't been a lot of room for Jonathan Taylor and I do think that you know some of the swing type passes getting them out in screens and those sorts of things trying to get the ball into his hand and passing type uh, you know uh, through through the air as opposed to kind of being on the ground has helped them a little bit and I think that's kind of been where they've been at their best and at least able to sustain some drives which is you know there were a couple of those I would say coming up here on Sunday.
0: All right, Ben. How do they compare so far? Because Tennessee also got their first of the season on Sunday too. How do the numbers, the analytics, compare between the Colts and the Titans in their first meeting? What should we expect coming up on Sunday here in Indy?
3: Yeah, I think the Titans are, you know, as as you know, as poor at times as. Uh, uh, as the Colts have played, I think the Titans are worse, right? I think if you're looking at it from a PFF perspective, dead last in that pass block, uh, unit pass block grade ranking that we have so far. So uh, Ryan Tannehill has obviously been able to, uh, you know, alleviate pressure in a better way than what Matt Ryan has. But outside of that, it's been pretty disastrous. I think from, you know, an offensive uh, skill position set, I do think the Indianapolis Colts are still the better team overall. With Michael Pittman at wide receiver, Jonathan Taylor, I think is you know very comparable to what Derrick Henry provides. Obviously, two completely different style of running backs, but I think overall, you know, those are the two guys you think of as far as the marquee running backs at the NFL level. And I think you know Michael Pittman, Alex Pierce, flashing a little bit as well, uh, does give them you know a, a slight edge from an offensive skill position standpoint. So. I, I, I like the Colts once again, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be a huge homer here, but uh, the, the Titans were a team that I was really low on in the offseason. I think that, you know, through the first three weeks of the season, uh, nothing's changed that so far in the betting market uh, has, I would say, kind of moved in the Indianapolis Colts direction as well. So uh, I think, you know, not necessarily a must win game for the Colts, but. Uh, This is one that they
0: should have to be able to take care of. Ben, 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 Ben. That's a must. Oh, Ben, that that is absolutely a must win. I don't know what Whopper's telling you (laughs) right now, but Whopper, you got to unplug it and plug it back in and reboot it if it's telling you that's not a must win. Ben, come on, man. Yes, I mean, I didn't want
3: to. I didn't want to commit to the must win in week. Oh, Ben, commit. Fully
0: commit, brother. Yeah, you got to fully commit.
3: All right. Well, let, I mean, when you think about it, I
0: mean, I hey, run some numbers in your head here because I know you're incredibly mathematically gifted. Ben Brown, of PFF, the data scientist, joins us. But you you tie against Houston. You you've whiffed on your first two opportunities for wins within the division. I mean, you can't go zero two and one and have one of those be a loss at home to Tennessee. Thus, to me, that would compute to wait a minute. Let me hit the, compute to a must win. What do you think?
3: I think you're definitely right on it. I should have just committed to it right away. So yeah. we basically have this, this is where it's at right now. We have the Colts with a 50% or we have the, we have the Jaguars, sorry, uh, with a 50% chance to make the playoffs. We have the Tennessee Titans, 46% chance, Indianapolis Colts, 45% chance. Uh, it's obviously a little lower from a division standpoint, but uh, they are basically within, you know, two percentage points. Those three teams have actually winning the division title as well. So it's, It's crucial, I would say, and it's especially crucial given, you know, how how, how well the Jaguars have looked to start the season. I think that's maybe the the most concerning thing from a Colts fan perspective is that uh, they absolutely probably need this game in order to kind of keep pace with uh, a very up-and-coming Jaguar. So
0: does your computer tell you, stats tell you that the Jaguars are for real, or is there still a, a lot to be determined as far as just how, how real and spectacular Doug Peterson's crew is this early this season?
3: I mean, I think they're definitely for real. I think they might, you know, th- 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 people trying to crown them this early, I think it's definitely overstated. So as good as they've been, they still only have a 50% chance of making the playoffs, right? I think if you talk to anybody on the street, everybody else, uh, it, they would essentially say they're a lot to get in, which uh, I don't necessarily agree with. I do still think Trevor Lawrence, you know, looks capable of developing into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL uh, that we've seen, you know, in, in a number of years. So I think that's very real. Uh, but outside of him, I, I, I know Christian Kirk's had a good year. Uh, they've been pretty productive, you know, from an offensive standpoint. But I still don't fully buy into their skill position players being as good as they have been so far. And I think that's maybe uh, the, the downside risk with, you know, buying into Jacksonville too heavily right now.
0: I, how did they look, the Jaguars? Because I really didn't pay a great deal of attention to it back in week one. How did they look in that loss to Washington all the way back to week one?
3: Yeah, it was, that was, you know, by far their worst game, obviously. It, it, the, the, the turnover type situation with, you know, moving on uh, from Urban Meyer maybe had some impact of it. I don't think that was, you know, by far Trevor Lawrence's worst game this season. Uh, and, and a lot of moving parts coming in from, you know, free agency in the draft that are actually playing pretty crucial roles in that, you know, type of situation. But I do think, you know, going back to that game, that's got to be one of the most perplexing games because after that, and they did look really poor in that week one match against Washington. they looked, you know, almost, almost like world beaters after that. Right. So I do think that is still the downside risk and that we've really only seen two quality games from them. uh, And they still have a long way to go, but, uh, yeah, they looked, you know, every bit as bad in that week one matchup as they have looked good. I would say, you know, moving out of that week one and into week two and week three.
0: I just out of curiosity, because they're the uh, the team everybody's in love with through the first three weeks of the season. Nick Sarriotti, the former OC here, is the head coach now in year number two in Philadelphia. Uh, The Eagles' numbers, starting with Jalen Hurts, you know, you can get to their skill position players and certainly go on the defensive side of the football with nine sacks against Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders on Sunday. How do their numbers bear out right now?
3: Uh, I mean, they look really, really good, right? And I think, you know, if you go back to the offensive line standpoint, I would say they are by far the best, uh, you know, offensive line unit, especially from a pass-blocking situation that we have in the NFL, our number one graded unit. Some of that is, you know, helped by Jalen Hurts being you know this dynamic uh you know two uh, you know running passing type quarterback that can obviously make you know a number of plays with the running ability as well but they've been really good and I think you know top to bottom the only real question on them heading into the season was how good can Jalen Hurts be and I think he's not only been you know as good as advertised, I think he's probably been better than what almost everyone have ex- would have even expected uh, in the preseason. So it's, it's, it's been good. I do think that, you know, w- we were talking about maybe not buying into uh, the Jaguars being for real, for real right now. But I definitely think, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles are uh, very much here, uh, very much correctly hyped uh, and are very much legitimate contenders in the NFC.
0: Okay, Ben, That's uh, any oddball numbers for the first three weeks of the season that might um, impress, might confuse, might, I don't know, uh, get people fired up as far as Indianapolis is concerned? Not just Colts numbers, but numbers around the NFL in particular.
3: I I need to get ready for this segment because I always forget about it, and I know I had you know a few decent spots last, last year uh, trying to find some off-wall things. I got to get back to it. I think if we're making this a weekly spot, uh, I will have – much better uh, data and information for you to kind of go off the cuff with uh, after this week. I just uh, I, I I was lost in the swing of things. I would say today, and unfortunately, didn't prep uh, any really good uh, well, well, nuggets. Okay, for you right wait, what'd now.
0: you get lost in? Tell me all about it. What'd you get lost in today? <laughs> I mean, what happened? Just,
3: we I mean we have. I'm not sure if you know this, but my boss at PFF is actually leaving for a different company. So it's been who's your uh, boss? A lot more behind uh Eric Eager if you recognize uh the name he is yeah, the VP of uh research and development at PFF so he's going to a different company uh so a lot of the
0: uh what kind of nurseries he's he jumping into is- now what is that about uh, Oh
3: it's it's a hardcore nerdy it's oh. more uh it's more like the business to business side of things so they are trying to do you know a lot of work with like NFL teams and stuff like that but, yeah he did move to more of a Uh, a startup type environment in the sports analytics space so (laughs) i'm happy for him you know but it's uh there's just a lot more things going on on my plate now uh the
0: past week so is this a promotion or is it they just handing down work to you how's this work
3: i mean i was told it was you know going to be a promotion yeah that's our guy right there ben Ben brown the promotion everybody they haven't shown me the money yet, though, so I guess that's the, uh, that's the
0: other side of it. So, well, you're a pleasure to have on here every Tuesday, and I know people look forward to it, people enjoy it, and uh, we'll climb back in and see what happens against the Titans coming up on Sunday, Ben. I appreciate you. Congratulations, whether or not it's an too. official promotion. Congratulations <laughs> on the escalated workload if nothing else.
3: Thank you so much. It, it feels so good coming from you when you say it like that. <laughs> so I definitely appreciate it, guys. This is honestly the spot that I look forward to the most uh, out of all the things that I do uh, throughout my entire week. So I definitely appreciate you guys having me back once You,
0: you got it, Ben. Thank it's you. always a pleasure. Uh, ben Brown. <laughs> do you think that was we, – we see a lot of that in radio. You don't really get a promotion. You just get added workload.
4: Sounds familiar.
0: Yeah. So Kevin G says, man, all these PFF guys sound like nerds. <laughs> I love it, man, because he's easygoing and cool about it. Like some of the dudes in the past probably wouldn't like that, right? Like Sam, I don't. Sam Sam Monson is a good dude. I don't know if he would have gotten down with the, hey, you go unplug Whopper or all that stuff. Yeah, Ben gets down with that. I like it. (laughs) Anybody out there ever thought you were going to get a promotion, but you did get an escalation in workload? Anybody been down that path before? If you've been down that path before, you know how oftentimes it works in radio or really in any of the entertainment dynamics. So we welcome you to our party. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, Andy Moore, Automotive Group, Hotline Podcast, One Hundred Seven Five, the Fan. But hold on, I would rather you watch Ben Brown and get online inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You can see it there. We end up tweeting out, putting on Facebook our conversations daily. Here, guys, and the lady, Grifty, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, want to get a pickleball tournament going. I uh, my thought was why don't we get an asteroid tournament going? But nobody seemed to really be now with that. I would assume you've probably never played pickleball.
4: Never. It's pretty fun. I enjoy it. It what? Well, it's
0: just basically. It's
4: essentially tennis and badminton. Ping
0: pong. Ping pong. Huh. Like a of combined the driveway. Yeah. There's a lot of bending over, a lot of running. A lot of starting and stopping. And a lot of starting, stopping, yeah. I kind of wanted to come back and play a little hoop tonight, but I still got a little bit of sharp soreness pain in my foot, and here's how I view it. I think the first time that I cut for the first time in a month, that thing is going to pop. I, I'm. I Listen, I am a much better human being when I'm able to get out there and play hoop. And I have not – this will be my month-long anniversary – from doing my foot, whatever I did with it. And I've tried to chill and not play to see if that would help instead of going to the doctor. And the pain has subsided, but there is one little sharp pain that I get in my foot, and I am skeptical about going out there tonight. I want to, though. I think I've got a free throw shooting contest with Bruce Kidd to help out Teachers' Treasures coming up on Friday. If you shot, what you
4: shoot? 80 for 100 from three? If I
0: don't shoot 90%, I just thought yeah, it at up. At least 90%. Yeah. Now that I say that, see, that's another reason, too. If I go out there tonight and play, hurt the foot. So, yeah, there's nothing worse than you know, shooting free throws and shooting it short. When you front rim it, it drives me nuts. So, we got to do that coming up on Friday, too. John Martin said you sold the Colts must win against the Titans and Ben Brown bought it. Well, I understand what the computers say, and I understand the mathematics of it. And I absolutely understand we're still in the month of September, but how far behind do you want to get? What are your expectations? Here's the other thing too. I'm going to tell you this coming up on the other side. We'll do some calls too, because this dude last night was just a complete pain in the ass and trying to make points of this team figuring it out and, in particular, how they figured it out a year ago. I'll put my hand up. I really did have questions about exactly what was figured out a year ago. I'll get to that. Your calls at two three nine ten seventy On the other side, more bullseyeeventgroup.com. Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes & Sons Restoration. A couple of passes before the top of the hour. Joel A. Erickson of The Star, a little over 30 minutes away. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
1: The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: Greg are a little bit earlier. Ben Brown of PFF also here. 107.5thefan.com, but maybe even better yet, if you want to go and recapture our conversations and all that's being said about the conversations inside the lounge via YouTube Live. We always put that up there in full after every show. Now, in fact, if you want to join it right now, you can. Uh, The Ride with JMV on YouTube Live. We like to call it the lounge. Otherwise, the stream, the app, HD radio, you also have us on Facebook Live, too. Uh, BT says, I like the the need to communicate better. Okay, how do you know they don't? (laughs) Well, that's what I've asked BT. How do you know they're not, and that's just the way that it is, Bruce Hornsby? How do you know it's not that? That's why I've asked a couple of different times already this week uh, because Frank Reich is saying what Frank Reich is going to say. It's fixable. Did they get better in that final drive? Was that more like what you expect from them and that quarterback in the final drive? Again, helped out by Chris Jones fully and absolutely. But is that more them? So communication... That's all we're talking about here. I thought Joe Wright's really pegged it on Sunday saying, I want to see these guys compete. I really want to see these guys compete. Because I would agree with him, playing hard is one thing, competing is something else, and you didn't see any of that a week ago Sunday in Jacksonville. You did see that Sunday. Absolutely would agree with you there. Uh, JMV, I was told that I was going to get a promotion and it went a different direction. I also got more work without the coin. Bummer. I know it. <laughs> Quote, we don't really get a promotion, just an escalation in workload. Chicago coach chimes in. The uh, Jags are definitely much better, but they had zero injuries through three games while the Colts and the Chargers were missing critical players. Pittman, Leonard, Pierce, Keenan Allen, and oh, Rashawn Slater went out of the game, Bosa went out of the game, and a 50% at best, Justin Herbert. This matters. I will say this, the past two weeks, weeks two and weeks three for Jacksonville, was much different than what you saw when they opened up on the road against Washington. It was close. Lost a close game against the Commanders, but it was different. The other thing I look at Jacksonville about, and I've explained this, they do have the elements that would be necessary to have a top-notch program in growth right now to win at a high level in this era of the NFL, which we all sit around here and question if the construction of this team is right for the era of the NFL in which we watch being played. Jacksonville has many of those crucial elements where we see differences being made. And we question exactly if this Colts team has that capability. No doubt about that. Todd's up first today at 239-1070. Todd, thanks for calling the show. How are you?
5: Good afternoon, John.
0: Hey, um, I'll get to my topic. Did, I, did I whip your ass on Sunday? Was that you? No, nah, you didn't play me. I didn't? You, Who yeah, did I play uh, then because I just kicked the absolute dog you know what out of somebody on were, Sunday. It's beautiful.
5: I think, you, I, I think you were an underdog going in too.
0: An underdog going in. You know, the only loss I had this season is because of a Matt Milano pick six.
5: I think I'm in first place in my division. You're in first place in your division.
0: I put, up one, I put up 157. And, I, awesome. and I, my bench would have beat everybody, I think, this week. I just, I'm just I'm really smart. I'm really intelligent when it comes to finding scoring options. If it makes a good bowling
5: score, it's a pretty good week. <laughs> what you got, buddy? <laughs> Go ahead, Todd. Well, hey, what, what, one thing did you, so yesterday somebody called in and uh, used accused you of using the phrase fanboy. Um, today, somebody called Dan, and Dan got irritated because they called his Facebook page The Lounge. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to, to call in and think that you want to talk Washington Township uh, uh, Elementary School trivia.
0: So, wait and, a minute. He, um, got, he got upset because somebody called his his,
1: his The his, Lounge? His,
5: his Facebook. They call, they referred to Dan's Facebook, or not Facebook, um, YouTube, yeah. The Lounge, which was a misnomer in his case just like the fanboy um, um, kind of uh, <laughs> uh, calling calling you and, calling and saying you use the phrase fanboy, which you never use, right? Yeah, so, I
1: don't.
0: That's weird. Yeah, that's weird.
5: People get their shows confused. Hey, um, do we have any insight as to why Nick Cross was, what, maybe one snap? Um, barely on the field on Sunday. Um, and even when... Even they question when they his level
0: play. of play. Yeah, question can, his effectiveness.
5: Yeah, um, and it was good to see Rodgers got quite a few more snaps out yeah. there.
0: Yeah, we wondered um, about then, that too, and he did. There's no question. Yes,
5: I think I think overall that that position has been adequate, and I don't get the impression Blackman's out for a long time, if at all. So just just getting your your two cents.
0: Hey, Todd, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'd never have used the term fanboy in my life. Yeah, I just, I'll leave that. I'll, I'll stick with Num Nuttery, Jack Assery, You know, all the JMV originals, I'll use that. I don't need to go to a term that everybody uses. I got to be better. I just, I have to be better. I have to be better in my name calling. I just don't want to give you an average name call. I got to be better. <laughs> it's funny, too. In social media, and especially on Twitter, like for me, there's this. I, I gotta, I gotta find a parking spot somewhere between lightheartedness and wanting to come down. You know what I mean? It's like gotta be in there somewhere. Trying to think of what it may equate to in terms of pop culture here, but it's got to be somewhere between lightheartedness and hey, I'm really mad and I want to go hard, but I really can here. As hard as you want to go, yeah, it's like the Spice Channel. Is that still around? I think it is. Like it's kind of lighthearted, but you know, you, you may want to go a little bit harder, and you can't. So there's the Spice Channel. Look that up, Kyle, and see if I'm right about that. Uh, Nick, before the break, jump on the show. How are you?
6: Hey, John, how you doing, man? Great, buddy. Hey, Ed, you know, you would think about some good insult. I, I can email you just so, that so don't violate SEC uh, standard. So if you're interested. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm trying to. I told the I told the line there. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Call me Rocky Burnett. I told the line, towing the line for the early '80s, one hit wonder. Go ahead.
6: Well, company, man. All right. Um, um, you know, one thing that I kind of looked at, I was just kind of looking at the division landscape and just with the new, you know, with Doug Peterson, which I think is a death sentence for Frank Reich, honestly. You know, what, what was the NFL thinking with the way they structured this schedule? Because it seems like the divisional fate is going to be determined well before Turkey Day. And ultimately, we're going to get into a, we're going to get into a terrain of all NFC games from then until New Year's. And ultimately, if we don't come through in those first six games that are going to be really determined before Thanksgiving, we're going to have to count on other people to win for us. And honestly, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Jacksonville are a bunch of schlubs this year. What do you think? I mean, what i, what I the Listen,
1: project?
0: I, I completely, especially if you're going to suggest, right, if you're going to suggest, hey, um, thank God for the AFC South in terms of how you view the Colts being okay to sustain until they're playing better. I mean, that has to concern you a great deal because you're right. I mean, a lot of these games are early and there's some tiebreakers can be decided early and you're going to have to have a boatload of help, so what makes this game so huge to take care of business for the Colts coming up on Sunday. But, you know, in terms of what I'm talking about of, hey, you know, God bless the the AFC South. I mean, Jacksonville against the Colts look clearly head and shoulders above regardless. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And that's that's a lot to have to endure when you have, you know, two divisional road games to start. That you have to take care of and certainly one's a tie and one's a loss, you can't tell me that this is not ultra premium coming up on Sunday because it is
6: yeah because a team I mean a team goes through a major transformation in the course of a season and I think the way they had it when they were at least when the league was putting emphasis and importance on the division game yeah. having the first half beginning of the season the second half latter half of the season not only is it better but it makes it more entertaining is they are entirely different teams. And you know who the cream of the crop is when you get to you know Christmas. And I, th- I think it's more – I mean, how much can the team evolve between Labor Day and Halloween? It's just it, – it, they don't. And then you're, you're
0: – Well, and, and let me tell you this, Nick. In closing, it's a reason why they put an extra emphasis on those early games to get off to a better start this year because they saw exactly what you're talking about here. And the fact that they stumbled out of the gate uh, – absolutely is not good and makes this just absolutely magnified on Sunday Yeah, you can't state it enough thank you Nick for the call quick break and we'll come back somebody's going to win some bullseye event group passes more calls Joel A. Erickson of the star top of the hour and more don't leave 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
1: the ride with JMV just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ben Brown, Greg Rankstraw.
0: Podcast 107.5 The Fan. Better yet, get inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You can watch, too. Good to see everybody inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Great to see Fundamental Bear yesterday. Ari from the lounge was also down in Bloomington with me as we were live at Buffalo Wild Wings. And a shout-out to the great folks at Buffalo Wild Wings, our friends from Bud Light, for having our Bud Light Blue Monday in Bloomington at Buffalo Wild Wings. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Jump inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Let's kickstart some conversation here in the 5 o'clock hour. Somebody may inside the lounge as well as on the air here win a pair of Colts VIP tailgate passes courtesy of bullseyeeventgroup.com so get in there and maybe you can be that winner. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline right now. He is from the Indianapolis Star. He covers the Colts. Joel A. Erickson is with us. So should we hand out maybe a bits of the MVP of the day award to Jim Ursay and others that made that decision to open up the roof and the window and especially the roof, considering the type of uh, effect that had on the start of the game from a fielding, the punt standpoint, do they get an MVP award of any kind?
7: I, uh, I love that you started here because this is like, after the first three punts, uh, I got, minorly obsessed with the roof and whether or not it was harder to catch a punt and uh and caught some flack for it from my, my colleagues in the press box. And uh then I got down to the locker room and I was like, well Naheem Hines is standing there. I might as well ask him if it's harder. And he, he said it is a lot harder to catch a punt uh, when the roof is open. Um, and I obviously, you know, Hines, I thought he, he had one that he lost, but he he made the he made the move that Sky Moore didn't and got out of the way of it. And and uh, made sure a uh, one mistake didn't turn into a much bigger one. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like when the roof is open, it's a lot harder uh, for for punt returners just because of some of the light, the way the light is, and the sunlight going into uh, artificial light. You hear about this in baseball a lot too, where sometimes when there's shadows on the field, it makes it harder. So um, yeah, no, I, I the the roof open I think helped helped a little bit. One other thing I think about Sky Moore's issues that, that maybe we haven't talked about a lot. Uh, Matt Hawk is left-footed. And left-footed punters, the ball spins differently. So I think there is just a lot of different stuff for Sky Moore where he's he's got a ball that's spinning differently in a, in a venue that's a little bit hard to see. And then obviously uh, it's not – I know these guys have done this a lot, but I still don't think it feels good to have Ashton Doolin bearing down on you so hard that he's two steps behind you and you muff the punt. So – yeah, I, I think the, the, the roof and all that kind of gets gets a little bit of an MVP for getting that game kick-started.
0: Joel, there's no doubt that in the NFL they prepare for absolutely everything. I mean, all the way to the bus ride from the team hotel to the stadium. But I would suggest, and I said this to Stephen Holder yesterday, it may have been difficult to prepare for a situation with the roof open here. Because it, th- there's only so many opportunities that affect that, that. I think you have basically when it's open only comes around this time of year. You know, maybe a day or two in September if you have home dates. And that's basically it. So it, trying to prepare for that may have been a little bit difficult. You agree?
7: Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's, there's not a lot of stadiums that have uh, quite the same roof setup either. So uh i you know I don't know if you're Kansas City, I don't even know how you simulate that, I don't know like there's you know the Royals have a uh the Royals have an open air baseball stadium, it's not like they could take them there and shoot some punts up into there right. and give them a look at it no, right. I think it i think I think you're right i, I it's kind of a unique situation well, uh, Naheem yeah. said mine said you know we've got a little bit of an advantage because i I've done it before, and most other people haven't uh he also said he also said that doesn't mean i like it at all <laughs> but, but yeah there's so a little bit of that
0: does he not like it when you're talking about the shadows are one thing and the shadows are brutal the television broadcast the one o'clock starts are brutal uh in september when the roof is open like that but it, it, does he struggle with with that the glare more or is it the shadows from where it goes from roof coverage to wide open spaces
7: he, he it's, it's less about the shadow for him, and he said it's more about the, the, you've got you've got the sunlight, and it's one o'clock, so it's very bright right over the right over the top of them, going into natural light. And he says it plays it plays tricks on your vision, um, and and uh, it's a, a little bit hard to explain because I've never had to look at it or, or catch a punt trying to do it. I mean I've looked at it from down there, but not not tried to catch a punt doing it or a fly ball or anything. But yeah, he. He said, he said it, it's just harder. It's harder to read, the, to read the punt and see where it's coming down.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Joel A. Erickson of the Star. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It's certainly the level of importance will come with what took place at the end of the game. And that's Chris Jones getting that flag, which uh, kept the drive going, ultimately the game-winning drive. But where would you balance, uh, just being honest, the level of importance from that point with Jones – or going back to the beginning of the game with Sky Moore muffing that punt and kick-starting an offense that had basically been non-existent going all the way back to the 4th quarter against Houston in week 1. No,
7: oh, I I think I think the the punt return was a bigger deal. I mean, they 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 needed they needed points and they and they got a touchdown basically handed to them. Um, you know, I mean they they, they got the ball there right right on the doorstep. Uh and that's that's that was that was pretty significant the way the rest of the game played out. I mean, until until they had that scoring drive, uh, they they never really got back down in the, the the game-winning scoring drive. They never really got back down in that area co- considering all the protection problems. So for me, the the punt uh, not not just the the punt return that they ended up scoring off of the muff, but also the next one where you back the Chiefs up and kind of take away a drive from them essentially. I thought was pretty significant as well. All right.
0: I was in the press box on Sunday, too. You've been in a couple of press boxes on the road to start the season. It was my first time being up there to see the Colts play this year. And the one thing that stood out, and we'll get to the offensive line and their exploits in a moment, but up until that final drive, Matt Ryan, offensive line or not, has mostly been a mess, and he looked like a mess up there up until that final drive as well. You agree?
7: I I thought that he missed uh, some down the I field stuff. Yeah,
0: uh, and that's that's why that stuff I can't see at home. That when I get right. up there, because we're basically you know 12 stories above the ground there in that press box, it really stood out to me. The, the the chances he has to throw it with guys that he misses, and then some of the throws that he just misses when he does throw it. Those stood out.
7: Yeah, I I don't know if the early pressure. I, I felt like. I felt like, and not having watched him a lot to kind of know his his mannerisms, but it, it felt to me like his feet were pretty nervous in the first half. Um, and I, I thought that maybe he'd gotten himself into a spot where his his feet weren't m- weren't married to what he was seeing down the field. Um, there was a there was one play that there was one play that they ran a play action and he he had a rollout and Pittman was open almost immediately and I was saying Pitt right, right. Pitt Pitt. Uh, and he was never really set, and I don't know if that's a footwork thing, um, but it was just. I mean, Pittman. It could have been like a thirty-something yard gain if you hit him really enough. Well, it was Pittman, that, It was know, that. It was, you know, was the same two plays hit.
0: they ran, right? It was that same two plays they ran in Houston. One went for yeah. big yardage, and the other one got snuffed out. If you remember, late in that game.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was wide open with with really one guy to beat uh, to to get a big gain. Not you know to get like a thirty yard gain. I don't know if he would gone with the safety there but it was one corner that he had to beat to get a big game uh, that was one there was another one with Pierce uh going up the right side that he was he, he ended up rolling out and I mean it, it's not it, it wouldn't have been put the ball in jeopardy Pierce was open um there's a couple with Jelani Wood there's one he threw and missed one that he didn't throw uh there, there were a couple of plays down the field that I just felt like he had time to get it out and I don't know if I don't know if, if getting hits the way he did early on and, and coughing up some of those fumbles, if he was feeling stuff that wasn't there. and I, I don't know, but it, it definitely felt like there was an opportunity for that passing game to have more big plays. If, if he pulled the trigger on some of those throws.
0: Joel, Frank Reich believes that they can figure out he knows what's going wrong here. It's stuff where the offensive line is fixable. And I hope that he's right, because if it isn't, that's an indictment on the way this team has been built. And that's not good for the now and not good for the longer-term future. Incredibly problematic. Do you believe him when he says that? Is just just stuff with timing and understanding and cohesion? Or is there a deeply rooted issue that maybe is is tough to explain right now with the reason why they're not only playing bad for the most part but dreadfully bad up until that final drive
7: sunday i i think i think one thing is that danny pinter has to play better um right i think i you know we've we've co- we've, we've covered right long enough to know he's not ever going to single somebody out like that but there were there's been it's been a couple weeks now where there's been some some plays like that uh the stuff The stuff with the blitz pickup, you know, this is – under Reich, they've they've finished in the top ten in sacks allowed four years in a row, including with some guys who held on the ball quite a bit compared to the rest of the league. And so, you know, their track record says that they can figure that part out. Um, What's going on now, though, until you start seeing them do it, you start wondering, you know, are some of the personnel – Decisions that they made are they are they going to cripple that? Um, but I would say that's probably where he's coming from. Is they figured they figured some stuff like this out before. Like for example, I mean, last season early in the season they had da- Julian Davenport in at right tackle, and it was it was critical on the offensive line. Uh, it felt like in the first three games, and then they they found Pryor. They they started working him in. They they you know did some stuff, and it never got. Good. I mean, I think, you know, in terms of Carson Wentz, I think Sunday's uh, commander's game sort of tells you that, you know, there's going to be some issues with pass protection with him because he likes to hold the ball anyway, but they they were much better than they were early in the season from an offensive line standpoint. So I think that's what he's, that's what he's thinking now on the subject of lineup changes and whether or not they would they a move at right guard or, or shift around. I don't think Reich would tell us that ahead of time. I think we would find that out on a Sunday. And I keep thinking about they tinkered with a line that, that involved Raymond at left tackle, Braden Smith at right guard, and Pryor at right tackle three or four times in training camp. And I, I keep wondering, you know, I, Raymond's ankle was hurt last week. You know, is that still in the back of their mind? Is that, is that personnel grouping still in the back of their mind as something that they can go to if they don't feel like this is going? Because, you know, they kind of downplayed it as they're just trying stuff out. But they didn't try stuff out with other guys out of the lineup that I remember seeing in terms of like, it's not like they like, we're like, okay, we're going to pull Quentin out and just see what the line looks like without him or that kind of thing. It was, it was just with, with that shuffle and that personnel grouping. So I keep wondering if maybe that's in the back of their head. And obviously that would be dependent on, on Raymond's ankle.
0: uh, Joel A. Erickson of the star with us via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. I don't know if he's still injured or not. I don't know his situation, but, I certainly don't know um, exactly if there's any interest, but do you know of any interest that they might have had to keep Chris Reed, who was so useful in stopgap situations for injuries along that offensive line a year ago?
7: I I was told that they, at the very least, indicated that they had some interest in him, Uh now, to what level? I mean, he didn't sign for a ton in Minnesota. I don't know if he felt like he had a better chance to start in Minnesota than he did here. That's that's could be a factor. He's not. I don't believe he is starting in Minnesota. But I don't
0: think so either. He been, had been injured, and I hadn't paid attention since then. It just occurred to me regarding depth um,
7: of a year ago. But I, I have felt like – I have thought about Chris Reed quite a bit over the last couple of weeks just because the offensive line is playing the way it is, and, and some of that depth, I mean, they lost a lot of it. They either promoted it, like in the case of Pryor, who was very valuable to them as a swing tackle last year, they promoted him into a starting role. And, you know, the hope is that Raymond kind of either puts him back in that role or, or plays it this year and then can play left tackle before that. But then, there, you know, the other depth pieces, they, they, they've had veteran depth pieces on the interior offensive line for a while. I mean, Chris Reed's probably been the best of them, but there have been other guys like that too. Yeah. And they don't really have anybody like that. You know, I guess the only guy is Dennis Kelly. Um, I don't necessarily know his history of playing guard. I know he's played tackle, uh, but I don't know his history of playing guard. Reed, Reed, right now you'd be thinking, you know, maybe maybe Reed's getting some some run right now because they they rotated him with Glinski last year and Glinski's playing better. I think than we've seen from Pinter so far.
0: So A. Erickson of the star is with us. I'm sure you've been lobbed a lot of these questions. And so have I regarding Shaquille Leonard, um, who was pretty active on the sideline this past Sunday and caught the attention because of a Colts video, mind you on their, their website caught the attention of fans out there. Um, If he's that active, he looks to I guess most folks ready to play is this just a conditioning thing is this more deeply rooted than we know and were you surprised that he wasn't good to go in week number 3 in that home opener
7: I I thought that the telling answer from Reich on Friday was when he said that they you know they they have they they have the tape of Leonard when they felt like he was healthier and they have tape of what he looks like in practice now, and they don't feel like his explosion is back yet. They, you know, they, they, they did that surgery on on those two discs in his back. I, I, I've i never had back surgery. I don't have firsthand knowledge of this, but, you know, I think usually that stuff, there's there's some rest and some strength that you lose and you have to get back, and I, I thought that was telling, that, that they felt like he didn't look like he had the same explosiveness yet, which – you know, that explosiveness, whatever he looks like on the sideline, I don't know that you'd see that from him celebrating or whatever. And it's it's stuff that would matter a ton. I mean, especially especially if you get him in lined up in one-on-one coverage with a tight end, you're going to need him to have that kind of thing. So I, I thought that was maybe the most revealing answer that we've had so far is just that when they look at him on tape, they don't see him uh looking the same way that he used to yet and they they think they're going to wait until he can get there
0: i haven't followed i don't follow him on social media has he been quieter regarding this has he been quieter for a while now because I, i just thought about this he's a guy that's been so outspoken and he's a guy in the past that has drawn off the criticism of random folks i mean anywhere and everywhere to put that motivational chip on on their shoulder. I would think that if he had an issue at all of not being out there and ready to be out there as much as I'm sure is being sent to him via Twitter, for example, I, I, I think he would have responded by now. So I'm kind of, I guess surprised if he, he hasn't, which maybe I don't know he has, but if he hasn't, I'm a little bit
1: surprised by that.
7: I, I, I mean, if I think if, if, I think if Leonard felt like he was ready, I think he'd be out there. All right. You know, he 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 talked last year at one point about knowing that he was playing through an ankle that wasn't allowing him to do some of the stuff, do some of the things that he's been able to do in the past. And I think that that's pretty instructive. Is that he probably knows he probably knows the same thing. He probably knows the same thing is true uh, with with what he's dealing with now, whether or not he's fully ready to go. Because. I think the other thing is the Colts see this. The Colts and Leonard probably see this as a, as a chance to to finally get back healthy and not have to deal with some of this stuff that he's been dealing with for a couple of years now, and they don't want to mess it up and put him put him right back in that cycle.
0: Yeah, I, I think everybody understands that. But you, I mean, the logic is when you see him going, you know, you know, crazy on the sideline and doing that, people are going to ask those questions i i know that they're off today and we won't know anything until i'm sure friday right or maybe i guess friday is when we'll know but you, you think he makes it back for tennessee on sunday at this point
7: uh, it's 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 too i i i gotta be honest i am i have no idea with the way these two te- the, with the way they're you know how many
0: consecutive practices teams? has he had and how surprising is it to you that he's put a a number of these back to back to back and still is not ready to go
7: uh, it's longer – he's been he's been practicing longer than, than it usually takes someone to get back into it, but the nature of the injury and the nature of his position and what it was with nerves is something that I don't think we deal with very much. Uh, this isn't like a common injury where you have, you know, three players or four players dealing with it every year, like you have with some of the tears or whatever, and you have a better uh, – like, you have a better – understanding of how the recovery usually works. I kind of feel like I'm a little out of my depth on, on some of this back and nerve stuff, because it's a, it's a fairly unique uh, injury compared to some of the other stuff.
0: How much more time did Isaiah Rogers get defensively this past weekend than he had in the prior couple of weeks?
7: Uh, He played 24 snaps uh, this time. Uh, He had played zero defensively in, in the first two. So 24 more snaps than any of the games so far.
0: Um, w- w- was that a realization along with Nick Cross? W- when did that realization regarding Cross, the rookie, come to pass as well in your estimation?
7: So we talked to Bradley about this today, and we asked about Cross, and I thought that his uh, his answer sort of revealed something about the way they're going to handle some of the secondary. Was They felt like going against Kansas City's offense, which is cor- sort of renowned for all the different things it can do and the misdirection and how hard it is to read Sometimes They felt like McLeod's experience was better suited for that. And Bradley sort of said that he thinks that there'll be, you know, the playing time at those positions at uh, that position might be a rotation a little bit. That's sort of what they said about Isaiah Rogers last week too, was that given who they were going against with Kansas city and some of their receivers that Rogers set played a little bit more to it. Now, I would say that I would think you should have Rodgers on the field, no matter who you're playing against, because he just finds the ball and he makes plays on it. Uh, And and just about everybody has a, has a speed guy and he's, he's, that's where that's his game, you know, but, and he, maybe he earned that with the way he played in his 24 snaps. Maybe you'll see that more going forward, but I think there's, I think there's some element of matchup that we're going to see going forward in the secondary when, as long as they have everybody healthy where they're going to be like, you know, okay, this team spreads it out a lot. Maybe you're and they've got they've got some fast guys that might you might see Rogers more, Nick Cross. You know, maybe more of a stumper than Roddy McLeod has been. Maybe you see him a little bit more this week against Derrick Henry than you he did last week against a misdirection type attack. So uh, yeah, I think there's going to be some rotation in the secondary.
0: Has it occurred to you because seemingly when when Jim Irsay is talking about the Colts in the off season and it's not you know about moving on from Carson Wentz, it's been about the focus in on them beating the Titans. And I'm assuming that message is loud and clear from the offseason owner as far as this matchup Sunday is concerned.
7: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, especially, especially the way he talked about it at the others meeting, saying that, you know, the Tennessee beating Tennessee has been that's, – that's the primary goal, being yeah. able to overtake them. And so I would say this is, this is a fairly big game, uh, probably bigger inside the building maybe than it is outside it, given the way the Titans have played – uh And the way the Titans and the Colts have played through the first couple of weeks i don 't know if nationally it's going to it's as big a game as it has been in prior years based on the way they've started, but I think inside the building, I would bet everybody kind of knows that this is a big one
0: yeah I mean when you consider you got a tie and you have a loss within the division, so i mean right. you you, right. you, you got to get you can't you can't lose serve at home. Against the Titans, and then you got to try to make up for something somewhere else. And I'm assuming that somewhere else within the division is going to be trying to sweep the Titans now, since you already have one loss and one tie with between Houston and and Jacksonville in this case.
7: Well, and you, I mean, you've got a chance to to to, to really put a uh, a wound in a team that's that's had its own issues. I mean, yeah. they've, they've lost Taylor Lewan, they've lost Taylor Landry. They're one and two. They didn't play great last week. They got a win against the Raiders, but. I was just reading through the, the coverage from the Tennessean guide and some of the people down there. And, you know, it feels like there's, there's some, you know, consternation or, or questioning of what what they've got going on this year too. you got a chance to kind of push them further towards the edge. And I think that's important. We saw, well, we saw it last year. We saw it last year with the way the division worked out. Colts got off to that terrible start, ended up behind the Titans and never could come back. If you can push a team, beyond you and behind you, that's that can really pay dividends later on in the season.
0: So, Joel e. Erickson of the Star covers the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Groove Hotline. Before I let you go, it was a, a big afternoon for the rookie Jelani Woods, no doubt about that. It tied in a couple of touchdown passes, and uh, one was the game winner. But, as far as what this team is missing and i agree with with everybody from joe rides to you know just the average fan that you know the fact that you don't have jack doyle and his blocking capabilities at tight end that's a big deal um is there a level of disappointment in what you've seen through 3 weeks in mo alley cox
7: well i think in terms of blocking um he was he was stood
0: blocking, up a couple like, of times. I mean, he was stood straight up a couple yeah. of times, and in you there, you can it, actually terms see terms it. Yeah,
7: blocking, in terms of blocking and replacing Doyle, the hard part is that Ali Cox's role hasn't really changed because he was already in that. Now, now I don't he, no he's not Doyle. The, the Colts the Colts thought Doyle was maybe the best run blocking tight end in football. Um, and and I think the other hard part with that is I. They, they didn't really go out and get anybody to replace that. That's a big, tough ask of a rookie to be somebody that good in a running attack that, that does as many different things as the Colts do schematically. Um, they never really replaced that to give them a second blocking tight end uh, like that they've had now for uh, basically the entire time that, that Doyle has been here with 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 Reich. And Reich kind of said at the owners' meetings, we're going to have to do things a little differently on offense. I do think that plays a factor in what's gone on in the running game so far. Um, you know, I feel like Taylor's played pretty well, but he just doesn't have a whole lot of room to break anything out.
0: Well, I, I don't know about you, but this is what I felt. When he went airborne, this is not something I've ever noticed in short yardage, especially from him. Maybe he has, and maybe I've just forgotten about it. But I, I thought about this on Sunday. When he went airborne on that first uh, or fourth and a half a yard situation, uh, to me, it was like he didn't have confidence that they were going to give him the space he needed on the ground, so he thought he'd do something a little bit different. You think that was kind of a, a response to what he's seen from that offensive line in front of him so far this year?
7: I I think I think so. He has gone airborne. I think believe on the goal line before, but the goal line I feel like is a little bit different than the open field. I thought he could have kept his feet there, yeah, and maybe try to drive the pile. He's so strong, you know. I thought maybe maybe even if he was hit there, he could he could you know, find something and kind of push forward and get the first. But I, I do feel like that, um, you know, there's there's some pushback uh, from Pinter and I think Kelly on his right side. And I think that as those guys are getting pushed back, I think maybe the way it had gone for him, he figured, I'm going to try to go over the top and get this. Uh, where I, I thought, I really thought maybe he could have stayed and kept his feet on the ground and maybe picked that
1: up.
0: Yeah, I yeah, it was. It, it seemed to be a bad decision, but I just thought it was a decision made out of uh, just kind of prior response to what he has seen as far as gathering space and room to run with this offensive line. Maybe I'm wrong. So,
7: no, I, I think that's very possible. I, I'll say this: you, you, you ne- will never find out from Taylor. That, yeah, no doubt. That's that, that, that he is a he is a I have to do better type of guy. So uh, I will never find that out from him.
0: Uh, Joey Erickson of the Star. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll see what happens later on in the week with Shaquille Leonard. And it is a large content. In fact, listen, getting off the mat and winning your first game of the season was huge. But in terms of moving forward here, this game on Sunday is even bigger than that one versus Kansas City on Sunday.
7: Yeah. In division against the team that won it the last two years. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely is. And and a team that, and a team that your owner kind of set up, or didn't kind of, did, did set up as as a, 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 a measuring stick for you in the offseason. Big game. Huge game on Sunday.
0: Appreciate it, Joel. We'll do it again soon. See you on Sunday. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Joel A. Erickson of the Star with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, a lot of you ask about Shaquille Leonard. Man, I wish I had an answer for you because I thought he was going to be back for week number three. That was my expectation. And it didn't happen. And and Joel is right well, on Friday and we documented this on the show when Frank Reich was talking about you know, the explosion now compared to watching a healthy Leonard and that wasn't where it needed to be. I guess that... That gave us all kind of the heads up at the end of the week. Maybe that was Thursday. Uh, at any rate, uh, he is definitely necessary on this team. Moving forward with a big one on Sunday against Tennessee. Uh, Greg raw, Ben Brown, Joel A. Erickson. All a part of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline 107.5thefan.com. And, Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you can go back and be a part of any of the conversations too. Later on this week, we're going to tell you where we're going to be, what you can win, and more. And in the final thirty, somebody's going to get the opportunity to go to the Bullseye Event Center with BullseyeEventgroup.com at the Colts VIP tailgate, presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. Final thirty for your opportunity there and your calls at 239-1070. I'll get at you next
1: the ride with jmv this will be the high point of my day it's all downhill from here 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
0: greg raikstra ben brown pff joel a erickson dave mcginnis tomorrow dave mcginnis the former nfl coach he is the color analyst for the tennessee titans friend of the show former sycamore back in the day an assistant coach, I believe, on uh, the Sycamore football staff going back to the late 1970s. Uh, Dave McGinnis will join us coming up on the show tomorrow. Bowen's going to be here coming up tomorrow. I mentioned Thursday. Thursday on the road, but not too far from where I sit right now. Coach's Tavern, and this is a combo effect for you here. So we're doing our Larcity Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots, right, for week number four of the NFL which starts on Thursday night, but we're also doing a tavern tour stop, too. So a combination taking place at Coach's Tavern. That is downtown on Thursday. Kilroy's downtown on Friday. That's a Bud Light Blue Friday. We'll have tickets for you coming up on Friday. I believe Titans Colts tickets for you uh, coming up on Friday. Kilroy's downtown on a Bud Light Blue Blue Friday. Greg writes this, Leonard sure looked physically okay when he was running and jumping around on the sidelines in that video of him at the end of the game. And I'm assuming that video that was on Colts.com is one of the reasons as to why we're getting asked a lot of questions about that. Damon Dobbs chimes in, AJMV, hey, I have two tickets for the Reds at Wrigley against the Cubs on Friday. If anyone's interested, Free. Can you forward? If not, I can throw it into the lounge if that is okay. Damon, well done. I retweeted that. If somebody wants to go to Wrigley with Damon's tickets, go right ahead. Check it out at JMV1070 on Twitter. Check it out and roll with it. (laughs) The Reds and the Cubs limping to the finish. Ray and Andy writes this. I love me some JMV when the jackasses are full of foobar. Put them in their place. Sometimes you got to. Sometimes you got to. Doug Thrasher chimes in. Have a blessed day. I don't know what that means. Have I done something wrong? Waking up for the day isn't blessed enough. Again, words that I live by from Dalton. Be nice until it's time not to be nice. It's the way that it is. Be nice until it's time Time not to be nice. Live by that. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you live a much better daily existence. You're right, Jay law Damon is a great dude. No question about it. He is a great dude. We got some fighting going on inside the lounge right now, do we? Look at you, I expect you to step up and do something about it. If I can't step up and do something about it, I expect you to do so. Uh, anyway, getting back to the Colts on Sunday and yesterday down in Bloomington had a great time as well. Uh, we'll find out later on this week whether or not Leonard is going to play at the end of the week, and then you get a big one coming up with the Titans on Sunday too, and it is even larger, as we talked to Joel about, uh, in terms of being within the division. I know... I don't blame you getting back to Leonard for a moment too, you get all this mystery and it does kind of chime some bells in your head about didn't we go through this in the past. I I, I mean, I hate it, but that that is still a scarring that you have going all the way back. That's the first thing I thought of is all here we go again, but. I know that that comes into your mind immediately when you're thinking about it. We'll see about Friday whether or not that's going to be the case. And we'll see coming up on Sunday whether or not they they can fix this offensive line with just better communication. No doubt, hopefully they can. Hey, JMV, going back to Sunday's game for a moment, what most impressed you? as far as getting that win over Kansas City. And that was easy. I talked about this yesterday. It was the defense. Uh, Up front, the defense on that defensive line finally did some things that I certainly had expected them to do. And we finally saw, got a visual of Juan Yannick Ngakwe. Some pressure coming off the edge. And I thought that they did as good a job as you're going to be able to do against Patrick Mahomes. And I think you saw on the sideline, the job that they were doing was also leading to some frustration. And you saw that boil over on the sideline with his offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. I will also tell you that, and give credit where credit is due to the defense, that you know being up in the press box, you can see that Mahomes, that was not vintage Mahomes. But I don't want to take away from the defense because they did have a great deal to do with it. But on that Sunday afternoon, that was not... Vintage Patrick Mahomes. Not at all. And that was the first time where I said this yesterday too. You could first legitimately ask the question, all right, how much are they going to end up missing Tyreek Hill? Because you hadn't seen in watching them much of that effect in the first couple of games, but it was worthy of that effect. You know, being able to take the top off the defense, for example. Now, you saw how much they miss a guy like Tyree Kill, I think, on Sunday. But no, seriously, in the secondary, Colts did a great job. All the way around, that defensive effort was much better. But the offensive line has to jump on board, uh, making that quarterback play better. And there is no doubt, looking back on that game, they had a great deal, and I mean a ton of really good fortune. That said... Got to take advantage of it. They took advantage of it. Given that opportunity by Chris Jones, they took it and ran with it. Given that opportunity by Sky Moore. Think about that. That first series, it was three and out, and they were done. And I know everybody in social media was saying the same thing. Ah, here we go again. And you get that kickstart. Courtesy of the muff punt, that was a huge deal. And that's why I asked the question. I know because it's at the end of the game. And it's the defining win or lose series of that game that the Chris Jones thing loomed larger than going all the way back to the first quarter and the start of that game and that muff punt. But that team so needed it. Offensively, they needed it. Coming off that, that weekend in Jacksonville where they didn't score, where nothing worked, and then that first series where it was a three and out, they needed that. So I think in terms of how that kick-started them compared to extending a drive, that final drive, the game-winning drive at the end of the game, yeah, you can judge, you can certainly discuss just how important both were in terms of this team ending up winning that game. There's no doubt. Jim McCann writes this, that final drive on Sunday not only included Ryan throwing the ball into small windows, but how about the impressive receptions and tight coverage? I I can tell you this, it looked like upstairs that Michael Pittman Jr. actually snatched one back that was inches away from being an interception. But, yeah, he was. He was throwing that into tight windows. And hopefully they can play off of that because the offensive line did a better job in that final drive. Just up until that point, incredibly problematic. And as I mentioned, if they don't play better, then you have no chance. If they don't play to the level in which you expect, they expect, and their pay grade expects, you're going to give your team no chance. Because that's how this team is built. You're not going to see that 37-year-old quarterback go out there and win a lot of games himself. Put together a drive, got a helper from Chris Jones, whatever. But if this offensive line does not drastically improve, not only are you going to have issues this season, but that is going to thrust you into longer-term issues. So it has to. No doubt about it, it has to. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Somebody want to go to the Bullseye Event Center with bullseyeeventgroup.com, the Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hazen Sons Restoration. It's all you can eat and all you can drink. I saw it. I actually had to bail before it started at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, but I saw the line, and then I saw a lot of the video from the party. I'm telling you, no matter what happens inside Lucas Oil Stadium, your game day experience is made. But bullseyeeventgroup.com, number nine right now, is going to go get a couple of passes on me. Thank you, Kyle Kinnett. Bullseyeeventgroup.com, that's the Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes & Sons Restoration. Number nine at 239-1070 can join the party coming up on Sunday inside the Bullseye Event Center. Tomorrow's show, Thursday and Friday on the road, and much more for you to close out what has been a busy Tuesday with 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. The
1: Ride with JMV.
6: I want you out in front of the school with her. I'd like to have a few words with you, by God.
1: 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
6: Man, I had a good
0: day. Thank you guys for hanging. Greg Rakestraw, Ben Brown, PFF data scientist a little bit earlier. Uh, Joel Erickson of the Star was also on this show. Dave McGinnis tomorrow. I think Bowen's tomorrow too. I know the Pacers are about ready to get back. What, a week away from the start of preseason basketball? It's about time to start talking to Denary again. When's the last time Denary was on here? Seems like years ago. Has he been on here the past year? It's been a while, right? Where's the narrow? Last been? time we really talked
4: about Pacers basketball outside of the draft. Well, I mean, I yeah. Guess,
0: uh the DeAndre Ayton stuff, really? No, oh, the Ayton stuff was big. That was a big deal. Yeah, that was yeah. big. July? Cuz I remember the when the Ayton offer sheet news story broke, I was out in the backyard in Fishers if you remember, for the backyard bourbon broadcast in July. Yeah, that was a big deal back then.
4: You see some of the quotes from Deandre Ayton at Suns media day. He seems not excited at all to be there. He seems pretty miserable. <laughs>
0: yeah. So he'll probably be asking for a trade in I'm sure. a year? Yeah. Maybe. I'm sure. That um it's funny to see like Utah just tearing it down and clearly they want to tank and be the worst team in the league. They're going after uh, Victor or whatever his name is, right?
4: Wimbom, Wimbom, Yana. Yeah, that's, like that. I mean,
0: Utah with, with Danny Ainge out there helping make those decisions. You can tell the direction they're going. I mean, Phoenix is supposed to be a, a team that was disappointing a year ago and be right there. And you talk about going through just a clown show in an off season with their owner, Robert Sarver. A lot of talent there, a lot of expectation there, too. I wonder if everybody has figured out their viewing capabilities on Valley Sports, too, as far as the Pacers are concerned. That's coming up. and some final decisions on that coming up for somebody. But, you see, here's part of it. I mean, people going, man, October what? You know, once the NBA gets underway with the preseason, then you'll realize that it's going to be back. Basketball is going to be here before you know it. I mean, on all levels, basketball is going to be here before you know it. It is funny because you you get absolutely drenched in most things sports-wise September leading into October. Considering people are going to probably start paying really close attention to MLB once the postseason starts. You know, if you're a Cardinals fan, that's one thing you're paying attention to. But with the Cubs and the Reds, I mean, you probably bailed on that win, May. I mean, really, for the Reds, for me, it was after that first series. That first series in Atlanta. Remember they miked up Joey Votto? How excited I was. Late season start, Votto's miked up. Going down to the defending World Series, champions holding your own. Then the crap fest started after that. I don't think they won a game for like a month after that. So, yeah, not much thought about them certainly since then. And in all likelihood, a lot of Cubs fans out there feel the same way. Disappointment in the White Sox. Uh, the Cardinals kind of continue to be who the Cardinals are, always. I don't like them, but you got to give them credit for that, I guess, if you want to. Hey, who won those those tickets? I want to get all three folks. Who's going to the Bullseye Event Center, the three winners today? Miguel Dungo. Miguel. Nathan. Nathan. And Andy. Andy, Miguel, Nathan, and Andy, we'll see you down there coming up on Sunday. I will have more for you later on this week as well. And a shout-out to everybody that got down on the field because we gave away pregame field passes last week too. And I got some nice pictures from Ross and Alicia being down on the field before the start of that game on Sunday. Fantastic. I love when we do that. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, with the exception of the clown that was going on the caps lock phase. We don't like that. Don't do it. Good to have everybody back inside the lounge via YouTube Live today, too. Greg Rakestraw, Ben Brown, and Joel A. Erickson podcast 1075thefan.com if you missed any of the show you can catch it via youtube live inside that lounge thank you so much for joining us back in studio tomorrow dave mcginnis on the show bowen's on the show tomorrow and then on the road coaches tavern thursday kilroy's downtown coming up on friday kyle great job out of you thank you so much for listening track sides tonight at 7 935, and 1075 the fan have a great night